Blog Talk Radio. Strand, and this is KWOD Radio, and we're on live. Had a little problem with Skype today. Heard there's some kind of issue regarding being able to get in a blog talk from there. Never know about technology, you know. Sometimes it works just fine, and you're sandy dandy. Other times it's a pain, you know what. So we're just going to keep on going, because you know what, that's what we do. <laughs> we're happy to be here. It is Tuesday, always better than Monday. And today, we're going to be talking to a couple of leaders in our community. Ben and Sandra are friends, and they're also team leaders. And what I mean by that is they're doing a tag team thing today. They're both kind of funny because they didn't know that each of them actually, their writing was about leadership. Global trainers, they're also tag team leadership entrepreneurs. Ben Pandya, I sure hope I got his name right, because I know it's just, it's just got that 
Indian down to it as love. No one better equipped to be an example of how to live with integrity, clarity, and introspection than Ben. A recognized leader, spiritual thinker, and a career coach, he has helped multitudes of people around the world be successful and happier. I'm happy to have him here because he's, you know, Ben's got such energy and passion. We enjoy him because of that. And Sandra. Sandra is an international trainer, published author, and former business executive with 20-plus globally. Background in international advertising. She served as regional manager and supervisor in Vienna and supervising eight other countries before founding her own counseling firm. She has been called a provocatively provocational speaker, sorry about that, provoking people to their best. She is the founder of Dream Team Communications, providing training and coaching in 32 countries. We have a couple people here. Just Sandra and Ben are just like, just really get around, and you have to enjoy that. Without further ado, we're going to bring in... Sandra, are you there? That one didn't work. Hi, can you hear me? This is Sandra. Hi, Sandra. How are you doing today? Hi, can you hear me? Sandra. This is Sandra. Yes, I'm here. Okay, good. Looks like we're going to have to queue in Ben because it didn't it didn't take. Okay. I am again. <laughs> Technology is a wonderful oh. thing when it works. Exactly. This is a, it's always an exercise in patience and surrender. Oh, I know, I know. I mean, try and try, and then I called, and it's like, okay, there's an issue, even getting into Skype, so you got to, you know, go over the different route. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. thing you are a guru and have all these different options. Hi, it's Ben. Hey, Ben. How ben. Are How are you? Well, we're here. That's that's what is doing we usually say. Well, fantastic. We got some Sandra here. We got somebody else on the line trying to get in here. Well, hang on, people. Don't, don't get so impatient. <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, that's people, good. That's a good sign. Yeah. Yay. We like that. Yay. No, you know, I gave you guys an intro, and of course, you guys got to live up to it now. Oh, you okay. Gave the intro. Okay. So, I'm going to say, Ben. I, other than what I, you know, what I've said, tell us about what you're writing and about your book. Uh, of course, um, I wrote a book. It's a collation of observation, leadership, and anecdotes from about 30 years or so. Yes, I'm that old. But uh, it so happens that I had a life-changing moment about three years ago, and so it instilled a sense of urgency in me to be able to begin to share my experiences and the learnings with as many people as I can globally to help them in any which way that I can. And that's what the book is about. It's a leadership life story with observations and lessons that the readers will pick it up every single time they read it. Good. 
And you know, an international man, a man of mystery. So yes. tell us where you, where you came from and how does that play into who you are now? Yeah, um, where I came from is a very short answer, but where I have been is absolutely a long story. But <laughs> I grew up in India in a small place called Bombay. For those of you that have seen Slumdog Millionaire, no, I'm nowhere duplicating that. But at the same time, I've lived in London for four years. I've lived in New York, Chicago, Ann Arbor, and Scottsdale, Arizona, to be able to impact and help as many people as I can by sharing some of my learnings that I have learned along the way. Well, good. And you're sharing it with all, with all of us, and that's a terrific thing because, you know, that's really what life's all about is learning and, and then sharing what you what you find out in order for others to learn. Yep, absolutely. Do you agree? Do you, do you agree? Do both of you agree with that? Absolutely. Okay. Sandra, your turn. Your tag. Yes. Now we talked about tag team thing, so here we go. Okay. Sandra, <laughs> you're you're a, you're a woman of of the world. And I would say that lightly, considering how many countries you've been you've been working with. So tell us about how you got started with that, and about the books and and CDs that you have. Thank you, thanks, Patty. Yes, I I believe that not only am I a woman of the world, but the world is for me <laughs> and for all of us to enjoy. the The name of my book is uh, I, I published it last year. And it's called Bring Your A-Game. Uh, and it was inspired from doing all these different trainings, not just leadership, but I do a lot of sales, negotiation, conflict management, empowerment type of uh, trainings, and realized that many people hold back uh, due to a lot of different reasons. But the root cause of that is really one word, and that is fear. And it could be just fear of your own magnificence many times, you know. And um, so that inspired me to put together uh, a very unique book called Bring Your A-Game. I put together 10 other experts. They're also entrepreneurs. So this book is on um, different techniques and tools that anybody, really, who has a business, um, or who is in any leadership or management position can use. And all the different experts have their own niche. You know, one is for joint venture. One is social media. Mine is, my, uh, my take is more on, on strategic planning because my background is in, um, international advertising. Um, so, so that's what Bring Your A Game is about. I've got uh, two CDs. One is called What Channel Are You On?, which is all about uh, attitude and uh, <laughs> putting forth the proper attitude to receive and connect people in the way that you intend. And then the other one, uh, the second CD is called Take Back Your Power. Uh, and I describe different uh, ways that we, we're constantly giving away our power and then uh, eight different techniques to get it back and plug those energy leaks because giving away your power really 
gives away a lot of your energy. So I've been to 32 countries and have learned so much. I'm so lucky. I feel really, I was thinking about that today in this great Arizona weather and with spring training. And I thought, gosh, I'm so lucky. I've been to so many fabulous places, but it's so fun to be here in Arizona and sit, you know, at the Diablo Stadium in the lawn and watch the the angels win at the bottom of the ninth because all of this is so American <laughs> and I missed it. You know, I was gone for almost 20 years. Um, and so I, that's the first thing I wanted to do when I came, well, maybe not the first, but one of the first activities when I moved back, I told my brother, I said, I want to go to a baseball game. And he said, really specifically baseball? I thought you loved the basketball game because they're so fast. I said, yes, because baseball is so American. And I have to tell you something so interesting. The first baseball game I went to when I got back, when they played the national anthem, I, I cried because it was, it's such a powerful feeling to belong to such a, to such a, a country where leadership and, uh, and, and patriotism is such an important part. It's, it's not like that all over the world, I can honestly say. So that's that's something that is very, very close to my heart. So I'm happy to be back. That's good. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, you know, being a, a woman of the world is, is a wonderful thing, and uh, <laughs> it gives you a whole different perspective, I would think. Absolutely, yes. I'm so grateful for so many things when I got back that, you know, many of us, uh, not just in business but in our you know, in our everyday life, we we take for granted. Um, yeah. I was one of the countries, yeah, one of the countries I was living in was Budapest. And when I moved there was in 1994, before all of the, just a very simple thing, well, not really a simple thing, but you know how we have bankomat machines, we have the ATM machines. This was yeah. new there in 94. It was a new thing. And every ATM machine was a network that was only connected to that bank. So if you banked with Bank of America, you had to go to a Bank of America machine. You couldn't go to a Chase machine and it give you money. So while I was something so simple as that, do you know what a it's huge almost like you went? You, you want, it's almost like you went into a little time machine, and you went yes. forward in time, and you're going like, well, what is this? Something in the yeah. new things that you hadn't seen. Something. Absolutely. It was so interesting. <laughs> yeah. You learn a lot about yourself, you know, a lot about yourself when you move to another country. Well, that's something I hadn't considered. Now, how did you yeah. and me? Cool. Because, you know, uh, it's so interesting how you guys have met, and then you realize that you're both writing the same things, or about the same things. Yeah. Yeah. We, um... <laughs> we met here in uh, in Scottsdale uh, at a meetup for public relations, public relations topics, and uh, we happened to sit not right next to each other, but almost right next to each other. And when we introduced ourselves and talked about leadership and and our books, right after the meeting, we immediately gravitated towards each other. And said, "We've got to meet. We've got to have a coffee." <laughs> so we didn't know that each other was so international. 
Ben, what did you think and about Patty that coffee. when you first met her? And Patty, that coffee tasted so good, but that's okay. I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> so, what did you think about the fact that both of you were, you know, international leaders? You guys get around in different countries, and here you are in the same place in the same moment. I mean, talk about faith. And uh, if I can inject just one of the beliefs that I've had almost all my life, not when I was in diapers probably, but it is that there are no strangers for me in this world, only friends I have not met before. And from the get-go, my interactions with uh, both Patty, you, and Sandra you can reflect back and you'll probably agree with that as if you and I have known each other for the longest time. Yeah, that is weird, isn't it? it, it, gets, it I, I totally agree with you. That when I met, I'm going like, well, first of all, you know, I, I told you that, that that I love India and, and you said to me, you're not just saying that because I'm sitting here. <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> This is, I meant yeah, it's that. Great. I think it's, it's, you know, that I, I've always gravitated towards that country for some reason. My mother keeps trying to get me to love Ireland because I'm Irish, but you know, you got to go where your heart is and wherever it is that you're, you know, you are gravitating towards, and and so you know, that's the way it is. And uh, you're basically attracted yeah, to the letter I. Well. That, that's good because you know I'm a firstborn, so you know I is important. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Sandra, your thoughts about our first meeting? Well, I thought you were going to tell the story about why you chose to go. Um, ah, yeah, that'd be good. Next, next show. <laughs> <laughs> we got to build a little bit of suspense. Oh, we got to build suspense. Okay. <laughs> Well, there's okay, always, I, I really do, yeah. Yes? Um, the, the leadership. Why are you both interested in the leadership? Go ahead, Sandra. Well, ben, 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 yeah. Go first. Let them go first this time. Okay, cool. Um, I am into leadership from the get-go, and yes, call it child labor. I started working at uh, 15, and even though in a society where I grew up, that uh, upper middle class or well-to-do families will hate to see their kids work till they have graduated, mm -hmm. they've done a master's degree, they've done vocational, and what have you, uh, I chose and elected to work at 15 and I recognized right away, because of the recognition that I received from my boss and the peers, was that I was helping the English-speaking visitors to town where English was a second language or third language or none whatsoever, found very sporadically in segments and pockets of Bombay, that I was helping those visitors fairly genuinely and honestly and that's what the recognition I got and I said English is not the only area that I want to help people in 
why not help in every which way that I can? From that point on, I became so involved in leadership and leadership development for the companies that I work with. I've been one of those very fortunate individuals, Patty and Sandra, that all my, all my life I've worked with four bosses. And those four bosses have either become my lifelong friends or my lifelong mentors because of the kind of initiatives that I took and the assertive approach that I had towards leadership. Wow. Well, that, that's a good thing then because, you know, becoming friends with your mentors uh, means that both of you can continue to learn from each other. Yep, absolutely. What about you, Sandra? What do you think? How did you get to yeah. leadership? Well, there's so many, uh, not just people, but sort of, I call it moments of impact that change your life and the direction of your destiny forever. And it can be one small thing and it, or it could be a series of things. With mine, um, I was working in advertising for Ogilvy & Mather uh, in Budapest, which was the first advertising agency in Hungary that became internationally owned because they were all state-owned before that because of communism and socialism. So you can imagine, right, a five-foot American Hispanic woman being hired to work for an international advertising in Budapest as the only woman in management. So it was a, it was a challenging to say the least, but invigorating to say the most. And I was uh, supervising several countries and my my role was uh, international client service director, which means getting more business and more international business um, because they had been doing a lot of local work before that. So what I noticed was my creative teams had brilliant concepts, but they were not always winning the pitch, winning the, the competitive uh, bids. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So I, I went to a couple of the presentations. And what I realized was, even though their concepts were super creative and there was, there was really a lot of uh, cutting-edge thought at that time, they were not prepared. They were not confident enough. And they were not communicating in a way that was in alignment with the goals of the company's leadership. For example, Kraft was a big client. American Express was a big client. IBM was a big client. Procter & Gamble. These were big companies, right? So they weren't winning the account. So what I decided to do, I thought, okay, how can I help my teams? And I started just doing free evening classes. And it was an unusual thing to do in Hungary at that time because you got to remember, they had just come out of a lot of repression and they were used to working you know, leaving at 4.55 if the, if the clock struck 5. And in America, in advertising, anywhere else in the world, boy, you work 24-7. So I would do everything. I would order pizza. I would make popcorn. I would buy them the wine that they wanted, whatever they wanted, for them to stay and work overtime and take my classes. 
which were about communicating, about client services, about uh, how to connect with your clients. And it worked. It just took a few months, and it worked so well, they started getting new business. And then I got promoted um, to the Vienna headquarters. Vienna is like two and a half hours away from Budapest. And as I was doing these classes, this is a long doing my work, right? And somebody said, you should just be a trainer. You should just teach this stuff. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Uh, well, I could, I could look into that. So I looked into it, and someone suggested Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie, that is a worldwide institute, the oldest training institute in, in the world, the most established. It's over 100 years old. Um, there was no Dale Carnegie in Budapest. So the next closest place was Vienna, which in Vienna they speak German. I don't speak German. I speak English, Spanish, and Hungarian because I was living in Hungary. And uh, so I, I approached them, and, and they thought that was really interesting. And just like we were talking before, how there's no coincidences, Patty and, and Ben, I called the office, and they said, well, you know, we do have an office, a, a, a course starting in, in Vienna. This was a 12-week course. It's starting next week, but it will be in German. And I said, oh, what a shame. What a shame it's not in Spanish. I said, because I love Spanish and I speak Spanish. And the lady the, the, at, at the Dale Carnegie Vienna said, that's funny because the trainer, his mother is from Spain, so he speaks Spanish. And I said, really? And I said, well, I just got to meet him. So I, it's, it's two and a half hour drive. It was in the snow. It was February, so it was more like three and a half. And so I went, and to make a long story short, we hit it off. I participated in the class. I did all my stuff in English, and everybody else did theirs in German. But Viennese people, uh, many of them, 90% of them speak English. So we really hit it off, and at the end of the class, he said, you need to be one of our trainers. So... I, I became certified uh, out of Del Carnegie in Vienna and did Del Carnegie training for about a decade and then established my own training company. So that's having an impact on the way people learn and the way they can uh, open themselves up to all of the strengths that they have, to me, is my hot button uh, to share any leadership tools that I come across. So that's what got me started. This leads me to uh, a next question is what I'm going to ask Ben first. Uh, what's the most important trait in a good leader? Um, Patty, I have uh, four attributes that I can give, and then I'll share a couple of examples if I can real quick. First one, okay. inclusive, aligned, engaged, and empowering. Why I say that is because working with, do you notice I never mentioned the working for? It is my belief that we work for ourselves, we work with others. So working with my first boss, I used to claim at the time that it was like going to a management school because I had masters already under my belt, and working with him was as if he was implementing Peter Drucker and Tom Peters, all of the management attributes that uh, they had talked about and so on. He was so inclusive, he would have us over every weekend for a feast at his house, the wow. group of 25 leaders that used to report directly into him. The 
other story that I felt that it was inclusive was when I got the huge recognition by a company of uh, 5,000 people here in the U.S. In my first year of being in the U.S., I was number one in sales and marketing performance, and I got recognized, fair enough, but the manager, the leader also got recognized, and in his acceptance speech, he attributed to me by announcing, no, 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 don't thank me for this, thank God for Ben Pandia. And that, to me, was such a moment of uh, being recognized, not for my own success, but him recognizing and saying that he was successful because of my success that he had felt. And then the other one that comes to my mind real quick is I reported to the senior global vice president for this largest pharmaceutical company out of London, and on the very first day she asked me, Ben, do you think there is glass ceiling in corporate arena? And name is not important, but my comment to her was, I think it's diminishing fast, and this was, mind you, in 2000. I think it's diminishing fast. However, if there is a glass ceiling in our organization, I'll shatter it to such tiny pieces, they'll never be able to rebuild. And from that point on, this was the first day, from that point on, she became my lifelong friend and a mentor. That's a cool story. In a a nutshell, inclusive, aligned, engaging, and empowering are the attributes that I give to any leader that wants to do and realize sustained success. Well, Sandra, what do you have to do yes. to add on to that? <laughs> yes. Some of mine are, are very similar. They're just different words that I use. But the, the number one that I have is an excellent listener. And it sounds like a simple thing, but there are so many people in leadership and management who don't listen to their team or what's going on in their market or their customers, you know, and most importantly, listening to themselves. A lot of us forget to listen to our own instincts because when we do that and use our own instincts and intuition, uh, you can never go wrong. That's the best you can be is you, right? So I, I have several, but the number one I have is listener. The second I have is integrity. And what I mean by that is someone that is sort of what Ben alluded to, which is an alignment, in alignment with his, with himself first, but also with his people, to be true to his people and his own value system. And that sounds easier said than done, but Jack Welch alludes to it a lot in, in one of his books, and it's about giving the good news, but also giving the bad news in such a way that it is done with integrity. Because people need, you know, all the feedback to bring them forward. Our job as a leader is to empower them 
and not ju- not not just to teach them, but to empower them. So, excellent listener, integrity. I have generosity of spirit uh, because, like Ben's story, you know, with with the with the gentleman he mentioned, a good leader is always willing to share his wisdom and his successes as well. It's not it's not his success. A good leader can only be successful if his team is successful. Um, I also have humility. Yeah, because the, the best leaders, I know someone in Texas who um, supervises about 500 people and has been doing that for, I think this is his 34th year, and the number of people changes, right? But he he knows. He doesn't only think or feel or allude to it, but he knows he doesn't do it himself. He knows he's only as good as his team, so he's very humble, and I think that's a big leadership quality. And then the last one I have is contagious. <laughs> I think a good leader is contagious because, yeah, because you can be, you know, a great listener, you can be in alignment, you can be empowering, but if you don't influence people, then you're not having an impact. So a good leader is contagious because he's influencing with his passion and with his attitude and with his winning state of mind. A good leader should also, you know, have this state, be on this channel of we are winners. We are winners. And that's very contagious. So those are mine. Listener, integrity, generosity of spirit, humility, and contagious. Well, I have a question for both of you then. Um, How about being a good example? Would that be considered a leadership role? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How important is that to the overall scheme of things? The example is, uh, in fact, and I'm sorry I'm cutting in, but um, in my opinion, if there are two areas where leaders miss out on being the legends that they can be is one is they choose either by choice or they are pushed to, but they don't walk the talk. Mm. And there is, a, there is no organization on the face of this earth that will not announce we have an open-door policy. There is a huge difference between open-door policy versus having an open mind, and leaders tend to have closed mind to that extent where they don't align, they are not inclusive, and therefore they're not engaging or empowered to influence and impact others. Yeah, I've had that before. With, yeah, uh, you know, with the boss, yeah. uh, saying saying that they have an open door policy and 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 actually having it are two different things. Yeah. How about you, Sandra? Yeah. What do you have to say about that? Yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. That's that's why I kept mentioning integrity is not only being true to your people, but it's being true to your own value system. When when you're in any kind of uh, influential type of role, 
People watch and listen to everything you do and everything you don't do is just as well communicated. And, um, you know, uh, and that, that has a big influence on people. So, yes, being a role model and walking the talk <clears throat> is critical in being a contagious and influential leader. Um, we, I remember having one boss who was, I would say, not in, his, in alignment with his own integrity, and that had a huge impact impact on the on the staff. If he would, you know, uh, we would have a, a critical week when there was a, a, a very important pitch, for example, where not just hundreds of thousands, but millions of euros would be at stake. And he would go on holiday horseback riding for three days. That had a huge, huge impact. On the team. So when I would say, okay, guys, we got to stay and we got to do this, they would say, well, he's not here. So what you do and what you don't do has an equal impact. And many people in leadership don't realize that. You know, uh, some people think that just because you've gotten to a certain state on the ladder, a certain, you know, higher up on the ladder, that uh, you do less. That's not, that's not really true. Um, people, it's very funny because when I first started doing a lot of this in Central Eastern Europe, everybody wanted to be a manager, and everybody wants to be a director. You know, these are 25-year-olds. When do I get to be a manager? And I was thinking to myself, they only want to be that because they haven't done it yet. <laughs> you know, I would say, be careful what you ask for. Yes. And, I say, I say yeah. you got to grow up first. <laughs> That's right. So, so there is something to behind be you. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're writing a book, you know, uh, and people say, "Well, I can just write a book about anything because I can just look it up." I said, "That's uh, be an awfully weak book because <laughs> you, you need to." Have some experience about what it is that you're writing about. Not only because of the passion behind it, but also because of the experience which people will hear right away. Yes. <laughs> yes, well said. They won't take you seriously after you do that. That's right. Well, there, there's several things to consider. One is, you know, do you have the, the voice to speak with, you know, your own, your own true voice? of what you want to communicate and, and share. And the uh, what I always think of, I'm, I'm working, besides the, the book and the two CDs, my second book, Put It on the Line, it should be coming out in a couple of months. And what I what inspires me, Patty, is I think, what, if, what, if, what do people need? Like, what would help them? I, I ask myself, what's keeping them awake at night? What's causing them stress? And what would help them, really? And that gives me a lot of ideas. That's that's where I get my ideas. Mm. Well, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I think most of us are always considering money. Obviously, always something that keeps us awake. And uh, safety of yeah. our families. Yes, that's right. So let's. So, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask an example. Um, from Ben, especially because he, he believes in the out-of-the-box thinking, 
the example yeah. of out-of-box thinking uh, towards leadership, which is something I never really considered. You know, thinking yeah, about, you know, um, we all think out of the box, but how does that how does that really play a role with leadership? Oh, absolutely. What a fantastic question, and thanks uh, for asking that. Um, and for the listeners, I can sit here and tell you or share a number of examples about thinking outside the box that I've come across in my leadership roles and all that. However, there's one and two and three that come to my mind that are so pertinent, if you don't mind, please indulge me. I had the global sure. responsibility. I had the global responsibility. Yeah. I was based out of London, which was the global headquarters, and based on my CEO's strategic direction and instructions, I took travel to Beijing, China. And this mm -hmm. is the entire Chinese leadership team sitting there. And uh, right within the first 15 minutes, the managing director of China or the country manager asked openly in front of everyone, as in Ben, this strategy and these strategies are from London. Does anyone think about whether this is going to work in China? What's going to work in London is not going to work in China. What's going to work in London is not going to work in New York or Cincinnati or Cleveland or what have you, or possibly in Scottsdale. And absolutely, I was, I was able to <laughs> inject a new sense of uh, strategic, calling it the global implementation, globally local, that is, as in, oh, I didn't okay. give him any ideas, but instead I asked him and the others in the room, what are some of the local tactics and strategies that work and that have shown you the greatest results. We had 15 different strategies that they listed. Off those 15, I had them rank top 10. They ranked top 10, and I aligned those 10 with the global strategy that was instituted by the CEO and his team, and they were all so happy that they walked away that day feeling the sense of ownership and empowerment to be the local leaders for the strategy that otherwise would have not succeeded, especially in China and other APAC region. And the other yeah. one, if I can share yeah. real quick, is um, I was a regional vice president here where I had to fill a vacancy. And this team had been together for quite some time, almost probably about 10 years or so. When I ran some of the resumes by the team, they invariably rejected one individual, not for any other reason but because of his diverse background. I looked at the candidate's profile again, interviewed several of them, and yet I went with this diverse candidate because in the interview process also, and his history and background, he was the most powerful one. 
and he aligned with me, not by any other means, but by the responses and by what he had accomplished in the past. The team was initially taken aback. They were not happy. Yet, 20 years later, he still contributes to the team's success in the same organization. He raised the performance of the team to a level that the team had not seen before. And he also became the glue that held the team together even during three mergers and ambiguous situations. So there are certain instincts and gutsy decisions that you end up making outside the box, which irrespective of what the direction may be from the hierarchical position or what have you, that you end up doing it justice, not only for the team, for the individual, but for the organization and therefore the community as well. Wow. If he if he would have been uh, on the Big Brothers, you know, reality yep. show, he would have been voted out. Yep. <laughs> He'd been voted out of the house. <laughs> so sometimes it takes us another another party to you know to correct something that you know the whole group has obviously seen his his strength as a uh, you know against them rather than being something positive. And that's that's a shame that people have to consider that. It's like you know we want to get these, and they do that in a lot of the reality shows. If you if you watch any of those, they yes. have a tendency to gang up against the strong one. The part that I left out as a punchline, if you don't mind, I actually oh, had yeah. to. I actually had to push HR back because HR elected not to interview for promotion after seven months of him being on my team, neglecting to look at and review his background of seven and a half years in the same industry, in management, and all that. And as soon as I picked up the phone and called HR director, she was so apologetic as in, oh, I am so sorry that I did not review it, but you know how these decisions are made. And she said that somebody had told us to hire this exact person, and that's why I could not look at anybody else. I said, now you are looking at, if you don't mind, and then you make the decision. He ended up getting promoted within nine months of him joining the organization, and that's why I said that he continues to contribute to the team's success and the organization's success, even after 20 years. Well, he's lucky he had you looking out for him. You know, he had his back. And that's outside the box thinking. <laughs> yeah. Had I but you saw it at a, you saw it a different level. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what do you have to say to add to that, Sandra? Because, you know, the out-of-box thinking is a unique idea for the leadership role. Yes. Well, I think it's really important. It's directly related to innovation and uh, a good leader. And from what the story that Ben just shared with us, you know, many times has to take a stand, right? And has to confidently take a stand. And 
that's not always the most popular role to play. Um, so you really have to do it with a lot of self-assurance and confidence and with the good of the team. I uh, experienced something similar, and what I did is a little bit the opposite. Instead of me deciding, this one of the countries I was supervising was um, is a country that's right next to Hungary, which is Slovakia, a smaller country that used to be part of Hungary, part of the uh, Austro-Hungarian uh, Empire. And we had to decide on a, it was for Kraft Foods, and it was a chocolate brand. So we were making a chocolate TV commercial. Can you imagine? I was in charge of chocolate for eight countries. Dream job. My mother awesome. said, did they? It was awesome. I gained about 40 pounds. I ate chocolate at every meeting. My mother said, did they create that job for you? <laughs> Part of your job, and you had to eat that. <laughs> exactly. Creating TV commercials for chocolate in eight countries. And one, one of the assignments was a new brand called 3-Bit. It was a chocolate called 3-Bit that had three different parts to it. And all the countries had to come up with a strategy and some concepts, which is visuals and slogans and all that. And so they all take it very personally when one country gets chosen because if Poland gets chosen, then everybody has to adapt the Polish concept. And Slovakia is the smallest one of, of those. And at this time, they did not have a, a creative director, so I had to serve that role as well while we found someone. And they had three really great concepts. And normally, the Viennese headquarters is the final say-so on which one they present. Well, this time, they were adamant about uh, choosing it themselves. And I said, you know what, guys? We're just, we're gonna, we're just gonna do something different. And you guys are gonna choose which one you're gonna present. And so that's a lot, that's a huge responsibility for a small team. They'd never done it before. They were a young team. Uh, but I was putting all my trust in them, knowing, right, that they could choose one that was going to fail. But I thought, this, this is a way to build a good, strong team. So in doing that, and they said, yeah, but then you can, you can decide, right? They said, but you, Sandra, you can veto it and you can tell us which one. I said, no, I'm not going to. I'm not even going to be in your meeting. So they stayed up till like three o'clock in the morning, deciding which one. It was hilarious. And uh, they ended up choosing one, and it was so successful. I was even shocked. It was so successful. It was chosen above all the other countries. That had never, ever happened. And it is now on the Ogilvy Worldwide Reel, because whenever there's one that wins an award, it won an award, they, they get on the, it's, it's a sizzle reel, which is all like the best of the best. And so they still talk about it. So as a, I didn't really have to do much. I just had to give them the power. And that was, in, in the Vienna world, that was really out-of-the-box thinking. <laughs> but it, it worked. So that, that was a wonderful story, and we still talk about it. I'm still on Facebook with some of those people, and they write to me, and they still remember that three-bit advertisement years ago. It was about 15 years ago. Hmm. So sometimes like you know how... how that's right. It was really fun. Yeah, I, I, I think everything should be done with fun. Otherwise, why do it? You know. Yeah, so, that's true. Uh, Life is too short. Yeah. 
That's right. So a lot of times the best ideas are right there. They're just they're right there. We're too busy looking everywhere else, you know. And out of the right. box is sometimes right there in the office. Out of the box can be right there in the office. We just we get caught up in all these patterns and forget to have fun. And when we're having fun and in creative mode, that's when wonderful inspiration, you know, rises. So I'll, I'll never forget so that, that story. That leads, <laughs> that leads to a good question here. Um, leading without having the positional power, uh, you know, in other words, finding that, you know, here you are a leader, but you have some other bozo who's in charge of you. <laughs> so yeah. how, do you, how do you, you know, continue to lead uh, even though you don't have the power? How about Ben? What do you think about that? Okay. Um, in this day and age, almost all of your listeners have heard the stories about how much richer a janitor who agreed to cleaning the Facebook office for Mark Zuckerberg has become <laughs> with, with no salary, no revenue at the outset, but merely a hope of stocks and what the price of the stock will be in the future and so on. That guy didn't have any positional power, and yet he's one of the rare ones who actually is walking the face of the earth, <laughs> head being held high, of course, after agreeing to helping a startup. Um, my background is pharmaceuticals and having worked with one of the largest organizations, name again is not important, however, think about the kind of expenses it takes to come up with a new drug and launch it, especially in the U.S. because of the FDA governance and everything that right. falls right. in place. If the listeners would like to know, it costs close to a billion dollars to come up Jeez. with a new drug in the U.S. Okay? I'm talking about R&D facility in overseas facilities. Worked on it for close to five years, and they were not able to overcome one specific area which they were all feeling that the drug was not going to be delivered to the maximum and the optimum level to the patients, and therefore, what do we do? R&D teams working five years with no results. Here it is, the director of R&D, who is inclusive and empowering, walked up to a new lab technician who had just graduated and asked him, what do you think we should do and how can we overcome this problem that we are not able to think about? This guy quite simply, plainly was impressed, but yet he said, can I take this product home to sleep on it tonight and I'll see what I can come up with? Next morning, he came back with a solution, 
and because of uh, patent rights, I can't uh, share the solution. However, they implemented his solution on this product to make it a multi-million and half a billion dollar product. So it's all about who you approach and who you trust mm. and empower irrespective of the positional and or the hierarchical levels in the organization, that's what gets you the results that, as good leaders, we look for. Yeah. And, well, in that um, particular case, the leaders saw that what they needed was fresh eyes. Yep. Fresh, fresh eyes on the, on the idea, yeah. Yep, yep. Everyone else was too close to it, and sometimes that's, that's what it takes. And yeah. you needed le- others. Yeah, I, I guess it's, as a leader, you need to let go of the power sometimes. Yes. Yes. And, I ended up and empower others. Oops, sorry. Yes. I ended up doing the same thing in my startup, Patty and Sandra, and listeners, that knowing that I'm not tech savvy, I actually came up with the idea about an app and I gave it to the developer, and I said, go design it, please, for us, and let's see how we can help people uncover their passion. There you go. And it's done. And it's done. So you, you, you knew where, where your weakness was. Yes. And that's okay. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, hands down, I know what my weakness is. <laughs> <laughs> So did you ignore your personal role to fulfill global responsibility? Sandra, or did you, you want to share, did, oh, you want to share that? Okay, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the quickest and the short answer is absolutely no, because my focus and the tendency was to help others in the communities irrespective of the location because I've, again, been a believer of experience of an emotion is the same irrespective of where the location is. Expression may be different and varies. Given that I had personal responsibilities here, a newborn, Mm -hmm. where my wife ended up, of course, for close to five years or so, using this line in good humor as she was a single mom. But Uh, I had had personal role and responsibility, which irrespective of the place in the globe I was at, I made it back for the weekend to home to take care of every role and responsibility that I had. And given that when I left this pharmaceutical company in 2004, I started my own not caring what obstacles and hurdles will I have to overcome because my focus and tendency at that time was to take care of my personal role. And it's got a very short story, if I can share, that I was on an expat assignment out of London at the time. CEO called me in his office and 
congratulated me that he had made the decision to extend my expert assignment by three more years. And I thought the meeting was over. I stood up, shook his hand, and I said, thank you very much. And as I turned to leave, he said, wait a minute. I've not told you the location yet. Long story short, he wanted me to take up a role of a country manager in Indonesia. I had to, within 24 hours, make a very quick calculation, if nothing else, and that was from London to Phoenix, I can be on a nonstop in 10 hours. From Jakarta to Phoenix, it would take me at least 30 where my personal role would be absolutely broken and devastated. Hence, the next morning, I went into his office and I turned it down. Here's his absolute surprise. He said, Ben, you're actually, I I will respect your decision, but you're actually willing to walk away from half a million dollars a year why and I'm I was ready for that question my answer to him in that instant was because my mother is worth a lot more there you go and that's family. the role I was talking about yeah yeah. Nice. Well, family, you know? Yes. <clears throat> and I think as a woman, though, Sandra, I think you've had to make some of these kind of decisions as well. I know I have. Yeah. Where you yes. decide, you know, that your personal role is, is you know, is, is more important sometimes than whatever accolade you would wind up getting from some position. Yeah. Yeah, there... It's all about being clear, you know. It's all about being clear what your values are, <clears throat> what your priorities are at that time. So I thought that was a really interesting question, global responsibility versus personal role, because I took a completely different take, which is it's the same. <laughs> For me, it's the same. So I did it the opposite way. I I sort of... Not sort of, I designed my life, my lifestyle, based upon what my passion is. And it changes, but mainly it's about contributing and, you know, it's more of a servant leadership type style and, and doing it with a lot of joy. And because of that, I, I planned it that way. I did it with intention. For example, I never had children. And I remember being in, uh, in Senegal, Africa once where everybody in the room was like at least a foot taller than me, right? <laughs> and much taller than me. And somebody asked me once, what, how many children do you have? And I said, oh, no, I don't have any children. And they said, I'm sorry. That was the response. Yeah. And I said, no, no, don't be sorry. I, I kind of planned it that way <laughs> so that I could have the freedom and the lifestyle that, that was my passion. And, uh, and when you do it like, when you do it that way with intention and clarity, then 
that is my global responsibility. So I can't tell you how many times I've been in a course, whether it's leadership or anything else, where I say something like that and I explain how it's, it's really all being clear and making choices. It's just life is all about choices. And there are no small choices. They're all big. They're all big because they all have an impact on you sooner or later, right? And uh, and I remember people saying, yeah. that's right. And that's exactly right. Every choice you make has an impact on you and everybody around you. And I remember people saying, I, you know, I never thought of it that way. I never thought it was a choice. I said, oh, yeah. If you're not clear with your choices, someone else is going to choose it for you. And it may not be one that you like. So be clear, you know, be clear what you want to choose. And then just create it. I really do believe in thinking out of the box with not just leadership uh, philosophies, but with your life. You know, we all think we have to follow this pattern and it's kind of like a little handbook. And uh, I, you know, I moved from Texas to Tennessee to Budapest. And being a Texan, my family thought I was crazy. Why? Why would you ever leave, not the United States, Patty, but why would you leave Texas? Oh, my goodness. There well, can't yeah, be any place. By <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I had a, and, and I said, well, because there's another world. So talk about out of the box, you know, my sister's first question was, oh, my gosh, what are you going to eat? <laughs> and I said, in Budapest, Hungary, are you kidding me? So I, I lived in a very small apartment. I didn't have a car for the first year. I didn't have a TV for the first year. And it was very freeing. It was like freedom. So there's a lot to be said for being clear and making your choices and fulfilling. I, I do believe that is your global responsibility, is to be yourself, your authentic self. And that's the best role model you can be because nobody else can be Nobody else can be Patty just like you, only you, you see? So what well, a I missed opportunity. Say, thank goodness that. <laughs> <laughs> thank yeah. God there's only one. I know. I've heard that too. I admit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that's a, that was a very interesting question. I, I looked at it from another viewpoint, so I thought that was cool. Yeah, well, you know, then he's full of interesting stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you were going to say that there is a key missing element from ideal leadership today, which is, you know, that is, that's a big question. Um, what would you think that that would be, Ben? Um, in my observation... Over the years, even with colleagues and so on, I find that they tend to be different individuals in front of an open door versus who they are behind closed doors. Mm. And for me, yeah. that is the missing element from walking the talk because my opinion, my belief, my philosophy has been the highest level of integrity is achieved when we stop fooling ourselves. We can fool six billion people around the globe, 
but when we stop fooling ourselves, that's when we have achieved the highest level of integrity. And in fact, to that point, there is a reason for the selection of the name of my organization, and that is just AIM for success. AIM stands for alignment, integrity, mindset. There are four pillars to sustain success. With that, integrity is so paramount for me, Patty and Sandra, and listeners, that there is not enough money, not enough money in this world for me to compromise my integrity. And when I see that that's being compromised by other leaders, that is the biggest question mark I put, as in why is that element missing in others? Hmm. That's, that's pretty much all the uh, politicians. <laughs> I don't want to get into politics or that domain, but yes, you can conclude, and I'm sure listeners are concluding that as well, and that's fine. I'm sure they are. I merely merely (laughs) hit the path, Patty. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I know. There's just a little humor in the situation. Yes. Because uh, that is... That that is the way it is, and I think sometimes people get so they you know they get stuck thinking that they have to be they have to uh, compromise their integrity just not only to get the job, mm-hmm. but but to be successful. Not understanding that that they could they could have been successful and gotten the job if they were if they just continue down the course of integrity. Yeah, and my observation of that, Patty, is that whatever success they see by compromising the level of integrity, those successes are merely short-lived. Yeah. Yeah, and what do you think about that, Sandra? Yeah, well, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of power and strength and momentum in being in alignment with your truth. And uh, when you are not in alignment with your truth, which is integrity, right, um, there's a lot of energy leaks and a lot of confusion. And uh, uh, that's, you know, that's when things happen. So if I were to say what is the one, you know, common thing that we see missing nowadays in leadership, I can say it in one word, and that is trust. It's, it's trust. It's, it's at the root of all of it because it's trust in your team, trust in the process, trust in the world, and mainly trust in yourself. Trust in yourself that you're doing the right thing for everyone else. And whether it is, you know, against the grain or with the flow of what everybody else is saying, having uh, self-trust is it's critical in anybody, not just leadership, but in, in anybody. And uh, that's very related to integrity, yeah. Well, this gives a, a good question here. Who do you consider to be or have been good leaders and why? We'll start with Sandra. Yep. 
I have some personal people that come to mind right away, and then I and then I have also some public people that that others will know. Um, the the first person that comes to mind is somebody you that would be unusual. You would think of as a leader, but it was my ballet teacher when I was a child. Um, her name was I'll never forget. It was in South Texas, and her name was Greta Sullivan. And uh, she could always see the potential in people, even when they couldn't see it in themselves. And I think that's such a great leadership trait. You know, she would say, "Of course you can do it. Well, you can do this and this." And and uh, in myself, but in, in other students as well. And I've never forgotten that, ever. And that's been a, many years. And then um, the gentleman I was working for before I went to uh, Budapest, it was an environmental uh, consulting firm. So we had architects and we had chemical engineers in the staff. And he was, he was the owner of the company. His name is Ron Gobble. And he always exemplified having an attitude that comes just from within his own his own strength and and having and, and really enjoying uh, everything, all his talents and all his people's talents, and really being grateful for them. And that kind of attitude was very contagious and very empowering. So he would always, you know, say, "Don't change anything. Just be yourself." And I thought that was that that was that impacted me in a in a very very big way. Um, I I would even say my mother. My mother was uh, a single mom. She raised the four of us, and she's still to this day a very strong woman. But she always taught me on how to focus on the positive and to contribute to others to help others. And and I've done that. I've done that as much as possible. And I realized that that forms such strong relationships, you know, in your personal life and in business. And those are those are golden. They are priceless. Like like Ben said, there's not enough money in the world to pay for that. There's not enough PR in the world to pay for that. When you really focus on the other person and and what you can do for them, that is that's a really strong leader, you know that people will follow someone like that uh, for for many different reasons. People, you know, the saying, people may, I, I do presentation trainings and I, I tell the participants, people may may or may not remember what you said, but they will always remember how you make them feel. So if you can make someone yeah, if you can make someone feel their own confidence or their own talent, uh, that's very powerful because that is that's really a true gift, um, and and uh, and that and that's priceless. That can change, shift somebody's life forever. Um, so, what what leader um, that we would know exemplifies that? Well. Too? Yes, I love, uh, I like Jack Welch a lot, and I also, I, I love his whole attitude about being honest. You know, he has a, one of his chapters in his latest book, Winning, there's a book called Winning, is so good because he's so genuine and he's so, like, painfully honest. <laughs> He'll say, don't forget to look at the train wrecks. 
And I thought that was so great. And what he means is, you know, don't just look at all the the great things, but look also look at things that we maybe did wrong, right, that were train wrecks that you're doing or that your competition is doing. And I think that's a I think that's a really good thing because a lot of people try to sweep that under the rug, you know, and, and that's not being of integrity. I also think Dale Carnegie was way, way before his time. And that's why a lot of his principles and his teachings are still so predominant today because they're at the root of of being authentic. He talks a lot about being authentic. So I, I think the Dale Carnegie material is is really fabulous as well. Uh, I love Steve Covey's work as well, all about, you know, he's the one that, he's, he's the, Steve Covey Sr. already passed away, but um, his original book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and then The Eighth Habit, <laughs> Uh, which is about your true inner voice. I think all that is is wonderful philosophies and tools for anybody, not just people in leadership. Yeah, so we need yeah. to be able to lead ourselves first, you know, before we lead yeah, others. <laughs> that that uh, reminds me of a, a very short story, uh, in that uh-huh. uh, my when I was about ready to get married, um, I I decided to move out of my parents' house and. And go and get into a, an apartment with a couple of ladies because I, I felt that it was important to, if, if I was going to be able to go into this relationship uh, and, you know, be, you know, a leader in the relationship because it's not just about, yes. it's not just about one person, it's about two. I needed to be able to take care of myself first. Yes. So you had to learn to take care of yourself. Before you can you can ask to take care of others. That's right. Well said. <laughs> in, in uh, yes, in um, in uh, uh, you know, at the, in the airplane when you get in the airplane and you're going to take a flight, and they're explaining the oxygen mask that come down. They always tell you to put it on yourself first, first. and then the child or the elderly person because that's how you can help them. So that's really, you know, that's a a great example of how we need to be authentic, integrity, in alignment with ourselves first, empower ourselves, and then we can, and then we can help others in, you know, the the two CDs I mentioned, and then I'm going to, I'm finishing the third one. The, The series of the three CDs is called, It Really Is All About You. Because you know how people say, well, it's not about you. Well, guess what? It really is all about you. In other words, get your clarity in alignment first, and then you can help others, you know? Right. Uh, and and I, I really do believe that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Ben? Yeah, I'm sure you have a lot to say about this. <laughs> well, thank you, Sandra, for putting that into perspective. Um, I think leadership, from the get-go, if you start observing, it's right there in your surroundings. So it starts, leadership starts from your family, whether it's your mother Gosh. or siblings or father. 
or whoever. And if you have the keen sense of observation, what lessons you pick up, that's what uh, builds the leadership around you and so on. In fact, if I were to make it a global phenomenon, I think that each one of us bring unique leadership with ourselves. We just shy away from displaying for some uh, odd reason because I can very confidently, in fact, you're welcome to, including the listeners, you're welcome to read one of my blogs that's titled, you can read all of them, by the way, but one of the blogs <laughs> is titled Paying It Forward. And, and, and it is about a flight attendant who took the initiative and just floored me to no end with the kind of leadership and the initiative that she showed. So it is, as far as from others' perspective, oh, she's a flight attendant. What kind of leadership does she have? Wait a minute. The captain of the U.S. Air aircraft who landed on Hudson showed <laughs> tremendous leadership by saving not only the aircraft but even all of the lives that were in his responsibility. We miss Absolutely. out on recognizing these leadership traits in each one of us around us only because we are so used to recognizing the leaders that come our way either through means of media or celebrities or what have you. Steve Jobs didn't grow up thinking that he was going to be the absolute leader. Steve Jobs started. Well, I don't know. He might have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did it. He did it because he had passion and focus. Yes. He started in his humble apartment. He continued to live there. People that have read Steve Jobs as the book, you know the story. Bill Gates mm -hmm. started in the garage. And what's he yeah. doing these days? He doesn't want to be remembered as the software giant owner or whatever, but Bill and Melinda Foundation, if you look at it, is to help others build more cohesive communities around the globe. Mandela, half of his life was behind bars. Half of our lives behind certain roles and responsibilities, yet Mandela had the determination to be able to do what he did. JFK, yeah. now I'm not diving into the politics of it, but he was a visionary. The guy was not an astronaut. At the time that he made this commitment, he didn't have the resources, or at least he didn't think that he had the resources, and yet he made the commitment because of his vision, I want to land a man on the moon by the end of the decade. History speaks for itself. Mother Teresa, growing up wherever she did in an overseas area, decided that she wanted to serve humanity through charity and service for the betterment of the downtroddens of Calcutta in India, with no expectation of glory or riches, but just the humble servitude. So those are the five that I wanted to share. 
if they fit the bill. Those are awesome ones, too. <laughs> Those are awesome ones. So we're all the, the, on. I guess yeah, we're all awesome when it comes down to it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, the conclusion is that anybody can be a leader, you know. It's yeah. not about the it's it's really not about the position at all. It, and leadership is a is something that is earned and that is comes from within. Uh one of the first companies I worked for when I was in my 20s, the most influential person in the office was not the CEO, was not the director, was not the marketing manager, it was the secretary. Her name was I never forget it. Her name was Marianne, and I'm sure your listeners can relate to this, right? I'm telling you what, if she if she decided we were going to take that holiday, we were going to take that holiday. Or if she came up with an idea, people would listen because she had she was very authentic, you know, and genuine and she earned the respect. And so she was a influencer and contagious and all those things I mentioned earlier, generous. So she was a true leader within that company, I'm sure. If she's a, yes? a good, if she's a, any secretary, if they're really good secretaries, had their finger on the pulse of the company. Yes. And that's how they, they know instinctively because they follow their instincts more than perhaps some of the others do. Because the others are, worry, are worried about their positions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're worried about appearances. What happens yeah. is, they, yep, they worry too much about what everybody else thinks instead of following their own inner guidance. Um, and and that is that's a that's a big mistake. That's a big mistake because that is involving a lot the ego, right? Because we're making decisions yeah. based on external influences versus what our own internal guidance system um, is saying. One of the one of the fifteen tips on the back of my book is think long-term. Everything in life is long-term. Everything. Everything. What you eat, who you hang out with, right? Where you work, who your most closest relationships are. Everything is going to affect you in the long run at on some level. And... uh that's why everything is is a, is about choice, yeah. And that's why everything you do really does. It starts with yourself being a true leader with your life, being the director of your life. And then that's that's really easy to lead other people by example. Yeah. Patty, Sandra, and the listeners, if I can share my punchline on the the attributes sure. of leaders that we shared and we talked about. My belief, again, is anyone can be cool. Yes, the Gen X and Gen Y is saying, how are you, cool? Anyone can be cool, but it takes four Ps to be awesome. The four Ps, you ask, that's the suspense for the next time. Oh, come on. Ah, you're just novel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sometimes it's awesome, but awesome is awful as well. I'll go with that. 
Okay. <laughs> now you're off we'll of you. We know that. So both mm-hmm. of you have been doing this for, for decades, you know. I'm, I'm probably Sandra saying, like, what? <laughs> no, no, I've been doing we it for decades. <laughs> we don't want to admit to that. I just, right, right. <laughs> I just I just act like I'm twelve, but I'm really not. <laughs> so you've both been leaders, yeah. You've both been you've both been uh, in the leadership roles uh, and helping, you know, the global community. Uh what's changed regarding leadership through the years? Are there new trends that we see or just things that are actually getting more muddied in the business? Yeah. Uh, from what I see from the different countries I've traveled to is it's less hierarchical than it was in the past. You know, in the past, what the boss said went and people followed and they just did it. And now, because there's such an explosion of information, everyone has access to everything 24-7, right? It's, it's all at our fingertips. Yeah. yeah, so people people in sales, for example, sales directors, it's way more different. It's a different ballgame. So it's a very different and more challenging environment. So because people are more self-reliant, they, they, they need a lot of autonomy, and that's, that's a key, a very key concept um, when you're leading people because you lead people and you manage processes. You don't manage people. You lead and inspire people. You manage the process, the the steps, right? So it's less hierarchical. And I, the the companies who are very successful now are successful because they are empowering their thinkers, their influencers. They're listening to them. They're giving them space. You know, they're trusting them. And and those companies are the ones that become the pioneers. That's that's why all of you know the iPhone, all of these Apple. That's that's why they are so successful because they're willing to break previous patterns. So I love this philosophy in the the there's a great book called Good to Great by Phil Collins and um, Jim Collins. Sorry, Jim Collins. Phil Collins is a singer. And the in this Good to Great book. He describes a philosophy called servant leadership. And when I first introduced this in Austria, which is very hierarchical, right? They even call each other by their, you know, depending on where they graduated and what degree they have uh, influences the way you address people. Yeah, it's really interesting. And so when I introduced this, I could just see their faces, servant leadership, like wait a minute, it took me 10 years to get to here, and now I'm going to be a servant? <laughs> but it's, what it's talking about is empowering your team, serving your team. Your job as a leader, in my opinion, and I've got a quote on this, it's creating the environment for champions. That's your job as a leader. Create the environment, whatever that is. Right? Give them the tools, give them the time, give them the trust. You don't have to be the expert as the leader. You're just creating the environment. And that's what servant leadership is about. That is, is very different from what it was 10, 15 years ago. Very different. So that, that's what I see as a, as a big, big change in the, in the whole leadership philosophy and trends today. That's, that's the one that stands out for me. Yeah. 
What do you, what do you Great. think, Ben? Um, yes, and Sandra, thanks for sharing that. I think because of the technology, leaders tend to do more by letting the fingers do the walking, as in <laughs> yeah. the person is sitting in the next office. For God's sake, yeah. get up, go over to her or him, and have an interaction rather than sending a text message or an IM or a WebEx or something like that. The P2P element, in my opinion, because of the technology, is missing in these corporate environment. Interactions, hardly. I mean, it's almost like neighbors. Oh, yeah. How long have you lived here? 15 years. Oh, I hardly see you. Really? Why? Because you never <laughs> have the interaction. Here, come on. Right, and right. This is what you, I mean. You go home and you go straight into your garage and, and then yeah. you're left there. Yeah. The, the P2P is missing, and therefore, here is the biggest challenge for that or about that, is that we are missing out on the learning opportunities. I listen to every hint that comes my way and observing the smallest step, not a decision, by others is a key lesson for me. And that's what builds lifelong friendships and mentorships. And, and leaders are missing out on that because I have, I have clients that, that are senior leaders who say, oh, yeah, we, we just promoted the young guy uh, as the VP. Okay. I sent him an email. I asked him to do it. He just doesn't do it. And I'm asking right. as to, so what kept you from going over and speaking with him? Oh, that's too much trouble. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what surprises me, as in the trends changing uh, yeah. in the leadership roles as well. Well, I think you're absolutely right with the younger generation, too. And, uh, you know, cause I have a 20-year-old. Uh, actually, he'll be 20 in the end of this month. Right. And uh, there were times when he would, you know, uh, be texting a friend. And his friend is walking down the street towards him. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, well, isn't that the friend you're, you were just texting? And he goes, yeah. Why can't you just come over? Can't you just go over and say, hey, dude, you know, and, and say what you need to say? Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, and no. Along with leadership, <laughs> social norms are changing as well. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. It's, he it's interesting. Like that. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a matter of, of, uh, one-way communication, you know, versus two-way. Because when you talk to someone in person, what, you, what both of you guys, you, Patty and Ben, are talking about is when you do it in person, you're, you're receiving a lot of information, whether the other person's talking or not, right? Yeah. They are communicating yeah. with everything, their energy, their facial expressions, their body language. And what's happening now is people are forgetting how to pick up on those cues because a text and an email and all, those are one-way communication. You don't know what the other person's mood is when they're receiving it. 
So it's actually much more difficult, right, to get the entire message when it's one-way versus two-way. So it, it, it is an interesting trend, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. I had somebody actually just before the show called, and he said, well, rather than meeting in person, why don't we just talk over the phone? And I said, no, that's not any way to create a relationship. Uh-huh. And if I'm doing, if I'm working with you on a book, that's that's what you're asking me to do. Yeah. Create a relationship. So I said, I can't get to know you over the phone. So once we yes. get to know it's each other, thing. sure, but not when we first meeting, it's too important to find out, you know, whether we're compatible. You can hide things. Uh, very That's easy right. on phone or over text or whatever. But That's if right. I meet you in person and there's no chemistry there. Yes. I then I, I then my instincts tell me not to get involved. Right. You pick up a lot of clues out over the phone. <laughs> yeah. That's so right. You do that over the phone. Yeah, but good it's, point. It's important to remember this. Yeah. It's, uh, you have I mean, you guys have so many so many things that, that have happened to you because of all the different things and, and here you've gone to all these other countries uh, but you you've come back here you've always come back to the US and I, I would have to ask and so, has there ever been a time when you would like to have moved to a different country Taking your family and 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 relocated because there's something special about that particular place. Ben, do you have Sandra, any? Can you intimidate? can you share your thoughts, Sandra? Well, I've done that. <laughs> I've done that. I did relocate to um, several countries and loved it and learned so much. Really learned a lot. It opened up my eyes to many things, and it changes your perspective on the world and yourself, right, so much that I think if anyone ever has a chance to go, whether it's for a month or, you know, my six-month subcontract turned into 17 years <laughs> in different countries, but uh, I, I realized so many things about human behavior and and reactions and my own value system that, that that's priceless. So if you ever can go somewhere for a month or three months and really live there, you know, take that opportunity. Um, what happened with me just a few years ago is, like Ben was saying, you know, the family is so important. And so I have two brothers, one sister, and my mom and my father who live here in, in America and I would, I would always visit, you know, once or twice or sometimes three times a year. But as you get to a certain age, you realize, wow, that the, those Christmases, you know, those um, birthdays, though all those, all those very special occasions are, they're never going to return. So today, you know, 7:05 today, what's today date? March 18th is never going to come back. It's gone. It's just gone forever. So 
I see things in a different way. And I said, I need to, I, I desire to go back to my roots. I, I'll still travel and I still kept a lot of my VIP clients in Europe. I just choose to make my home base here now. But I wouldn't uh, trade living in different countries for anything. Uh, and, and I may do it again. You never know. <laughs> it opens up a different world. Yeah, that's something I always consider to be something that I've missed is uh, going to another country. Uh, and about those choices, you know. Um, yes. Able to had a chance to do that when I was in college uh, before I got married. Yes. And my teachers actually begged me, <laughs> both of them, women, wow. both women, yes. you know, begged me to not get married yet to, you know, go to Ireland and, and write. And wow. at the time, I, I, said, I said by myself. Okay? So, that, I, I, didn't, I didn't think I was ready for it. It was one thing to move out of my, my parents' house, but another thing entirely to go to a different country. Yes, it is. So, I did, I did, I did not go. I stayed, I stayed here oh, and wow. got married. Yes. And so, you know, that's one of those pinnacles or one of those, those crossroads that we, we all have that we wonder that's well, right. what would have happened. Yeah. We, we all have. Well, it. you can still we go. I'm sure you've got several books in you, Missy. I'm sure you can still go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Get, like, get, get me away from my computer and maybe I can, you know, with, with no Wi-Fi, maybe I can actually do something. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're ready to go, let me know. I know people there. You you can have Blog Talk Radio over there. Yeah, yeah. They love that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. They do. Media, the media people. They love media people. Mm-hmm. So, Ben, how about you? There you go. Ever um, wanted to move somewhere else? Yeah, the short answer is no. But okay. um, I've, I've been very fortunate to have realized over the years that globe is a very small place and people are people no matter where you go uh, yeah. it's just um, they, their uh, expression of their desire and therefore emotions tend to be different as long as you cater to them you will be one of them for sure to to give uh, an example out of the ordinary. Um, I don't know how long this is going to last, but I've been using this as a feather in his cap for my 16-year-old. By the time he turned 14, he had been to 36 different countries with me. And the reason I bring that up is because he has a different perspective, different view of what he finds any place he goes to, so much so that last year when we went to Cambodia, he came back and on the flight and even today, he claims to both my wife and myself that he wants to go to Siam Reap and do some volunteer work for three months this summer next summer, whenever he can. 
and why I said that I don't know how long will I be able to get away by using this as a feather in his cap, because <laughs> I tell him, hey, if you're comparing yourself with anyone else, just think about or ask them how many countries and cultures have they been exposed to, and what do they know about that culture. As compared to that, answer your question and see what the response you get from your friends. Because the friends are into music and the good cars and uh, so on and so forth. And I'm trying to make him humble, unlike his dad, of course. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's why I'm uh, suggesting as to I don't know how long will that feather in his cap will last. But it gives a different perspective to different individuals. Every, Even this talk show that, Patty, you so elegantly put forth for the listeners, there are, even if there are 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 people listening around the globe, they will have taken 100,000 different messages depending on who's taking the message. That's what I mean. That's true. Plus, they hear something different. Yep. Yeah. You know, they they may yeah. listen, they interpret they interpret it differently. Yep. So yes. That's why we're talking about your son and you, uh, both of you having interpreted uh, that particular country, and and you know your observations were different. Yep. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you probably know this, but if uh, that's why uh, they separate people. And they take uh, depositions from from different uh, witnesses whenever there's a crime, mm-hmm. because each of them had a different perspective, yep. and that helps them actually to solve the case because of that. If they were all the same, uh, it may not it may have been skewed to the point where you know they would have actually realized that that first of all could never happen. Mm-hmm because the fact that everyone sees it interprets it different. Yes. All of us have different point of view. So here's where here's where I say you both have you know, you both teaching leadership. What is it that you have that brought to the table in teaching leadership that's unique? Go ahead, Sandra, please. Who wants, who wants to go first? Andrew's going first? Okay. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> um, first, so that way people, Becky has more time to think about it. <laughs> I know. I, I know exactly what he's doing. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> my, my leadership style, my viewpoint on the techniques that I use is don't take everything so seriously. <laughs> so uh, it doesn't matter if I'm teaching in Copenhagen or Brazil or Singapore, which are all really, really different, right? I use the concept of creativity and fun to get people out of their heads because everybody has all this baggage and belief systems and preconceived notions in our heads, to get them out of their heads and to a more generosity-based, heart-type leadership 
my negotiation training, I call it generosity-based negotiation. And so through games, I, do it, I really do it through games and creativity. And we, we learn uh, a variety of techniques so that they remember how they feel and how they can make other people feel. And those are really good leaders. So mine is, is pretty different in that it's, uh, it's, it's using someone's creativity plus their authentic integrity to create something new that they may not have thought of. So I always tell them, you know, you have, uh, I guarantee two things. One, you're going to have a lot of fun and be laughing. And number two, you're going to experience, not just here, but experience something new about yourself with regards to whatever leadership topic we're doing. Otherwise, you get your money back. And no one's ever asked for their money back in a, a couple of decades. So that's really, really good. <laughs> so my, my take is um, doing it with creativity, being in the moment and having fun, and that's how new, inspired, innovative ideas come up. And that's, that's pretty different from my leadership trainings. I use, I use rubber chickens, you know. I'll just give that as a teaser. I take rubber chickens. They have names, they have very specific and profound uses. And in order for you to find out, you've got to come to the one, of the, one of the workshops. <laughs> well, I can say without a doubt that I have learned something new from both of you. And so now it's Ben's turn to amaze us. Well, <laughs> hardly, but... Um... Before I do that, can I ask a question, if you don't mind? Sure. Are the are the listeners um, going to have an opportunity to ask any questions? I've already actually opened it up, and and uh, okay. they're they're actually have given me a few write-ins that they're not okay. getting online. Okay. Not a oh wow! Great. The only reason yeah. I asked is so, because uh, so I a few to, of these yeah. a few of these were from them. Okay. Oh, super. Patty, Sandra, and the listeners, my um, sessions or programs tend to be based on this statement. Tell me a fact, and I will learn something. Let me repeat. Tell me a fact, F-A-C-T, and I will learn something. Tell me the truth, and I will believe you. But tell me a story and it will stay in my heart forever. So my sessions and my programs tend to be very energized, interactive, and full of stories that share the lessons rather than tell the lessons. The biggest compliments that I get are, my God, I wish your energy is contagious to the rest of the organization, or... (laughs) The compliments that I've gotten is this was the only program we actually all throughout the day did not look at the time, did not look at the, or want to look at the text or the emails, or did not want to break for tea, coffee, or food. And this was the only session where we did not feel bored or sleepy. Mundane That's as it good. sounds, it's a huge compliment. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, those are really good. That's what we want. 
So they're very interactive, energized uh, stories and asking others for their stories as well, not to put them on the spot, but because they may have stories that others will learn from as well. That's true, and I could tell that from you. And some of the, you know, because you, you, you are a story-driven speaker. And in fact, so much so that my book also is a leadership life story where the readers will pick up lessons on their own in their own introspection. Just to make everyone under, uh, just give a chance to everyone, uh, we do have a few extra minutes if you did want to call in, even though I've been uh, letting you know that. Uh, just in case you didn't have the number, it's always on the top of the information of uh, Blog Talk and at 714-242-5145. I mean, I know you guys are sitting there. I can see you. Can't You can't hide. <laughs> you can try. You can try. But, you know, I've got the power here. So... <laughs> So I know you. <laughs> I know you guys are there, and again, a few of you have, have spoken up and asked questions, which which we definitely appreciate. Because you know, at the, while we have questions to ask, sometimes uh, getting off the beaten path for you know a little ways uh, helps to bring clarity of thought to our speakers as well. Absolutely. As a, that's you guys. <laughs> Sometimes you you have to ask the question that's not on the list because that way uh, we know you guys are so awake. <laughs> that's right. That's when you get some of the most profound insights. That's a very wise thing you just said. <laughs> I, I had a... might be I, different time zones. Oh, wow, that's true. I... Uh, I had a had someone on recently who um, I thought was kind of following a script, and and so I asked a question that he he had given me, and I asked a question that he didn't give me, and he was very confused and was not able to give a very good answer, and actually turned it around to his actual question, and that's when I realized it. <laughs> I realized that he was. Uh, was following too much of a script. So yes. It has to be authentic. And we talked to you, you know, we talk about this conversation today. It's about your one true voice and your authentic self. And yes. sometimes you need to get away from the script in order to find that authentic self. Do you really yes. know what you're talking about? Because if you have like throw you a question that's not on, on anybody's list and you can answer it with clarity and thought, then, you know, you got us. Or at least you got me. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So we have thought, uh, believe it or not, we've already been through our two hours. Can you believe it? Amazing. We have, I know. We have four more minutes. And uh, I have a question for both of you. I know I'm taking it off. This is off my own list. And that is the question I often ask at the end of the show. And if you listen to some of them, you might have heard him. But Ben, I'm going to ask first, just because I want to put you on the spot. (laughs) The question is, now that you have successfully slain the dragon, how will you celebrate? 
how will I celebrate with um, the audience? Not successfully. Well, again, this is not a suggestive answer. Ah. It's more about it's more about your personality. So okay. the question is, is now that you successfully slain a dragon, whatever that dragon is in your life, uh-huh. how will you how will you celebrate? Ah, two hours were just not enough for me to share how I celebrate each day, in spite of having found and seen some detours in life. But each moment is a celebration for me, and it's an inside joke, as in. When my son comes home and says, Daddy, today is Mother's Day. Are we going to celebrate? And my feedback and thought for him always has been, Buddy, every day is Mother's Day. If there is one role in this world that is indispensable, it is that of a mother. So I celebrate motherhood with my wife. I celebrate fatherhood myself being one, so I celebrate each and every moment, each and every interaction with everyone, irrespective of those that I have interacted with today in the last two hours, that they have not had a chance to interact with me, but I've shared, and that sharing in itself for me, Patty and Sandra, has been a huge celebration, and I thank you for asking that. Did I lose you? I don't know. I'm still here. Yeah. Patty, you there? Yeah. <laughs> no, I am. Uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't hear your answer. <laughs> uh, it was really good. <laughs> it was really oh. It was good. I, he starts to go into it, and then and then the phone goes out on me. I'm going like, no. Here, I thought I lost lost Ben, and actually, you guys lost me. (laughs) Yeah. I'll give Sandra. It was pretty good. You can give me a short answer. Um, Each moment for me is a celebration in life, including the two hour that you invited myself and Sandra to share our thoughts with the rest of the audiences from around the globe has been a huge celebration for me. Thank you. Well, we're, we're on our last 90 seconds, so I'm going to say that I'm inviting both of you back on two separate shows. So, Sandra, Sandra you'll be able to answer that question for me, and you'll be prepared uh, for your own show, okay? Absolutely. You got it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, you guys, big group hug. You guys did awesome. And I will thank see you. you guys. Uh, I'll see you guys personally soon, okay? Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. Much. Thank you, Patty. Adios. Thanks to your listeners. Arrivederci. See ya. Bye, Patty. Ciao. Bye. Ciao. So this is KWOD Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand. And we are about out of time here. But I just want to let you know that we were, went to uh, two Sun Festival books last weekend. Had a great time. 
and we've got a couple of things going on. So take a look at the calendar, and I will see you guys again on, thir- on Thursday, same time, same bat channel. <laughs>